hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Three, two, one. Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. After a thrilling and visually stunning and dramatically arresting episode one, I am still here with the wonderful Brendan Jones. Say hello, Brendan. Hello, dear viewers. Hello, Joe. God damn it, I thought you were going to say hello, Brendan, then. Um, <laughs> but if we quickly skip into episode two, you didn't have a chance to do this in episode one because it would probably be quite egotistical if you introed and then started talking about where you are elsewhere in podcast land and YouTube. Right. But now I'm going to ask you outright, please, just to tell people if they don't already know, where can people find you? Okay, the main place people can find me is uh, flightthroughentirety.com, which is a Doctor Who podcast uh, I started with uh, several friends. And we are currently um, just finishing series six of the new series. But we started way back with An Unearthly Child and we've covered uh, basically all televised Doctor Who. I think we skipped dimensions in time. Uh, Sorry. you know, so I, you know I recreated that last week, right? <laughs> oh, I recreated yes. that last week in the Greenwich Meridian. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I went to the Greenwich Meridian once with um, uh, Joe Lidster, who I think you've had on the show oh, before as well. Yes, and yes. I didn't realise, like, we didn't go there specifically. We just went to that park for a picnic. And I'm like, oh, my God. It is obligatory to to come out behind one of those pillars and go, not before she cloned me, though. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so there's that. Um, You can also find me on um, Bondfinger, which is a series of James Bond podcasts. And because we've run out of James Bond films and No Time to Die hasn't been released in Australia yet, we've been um, increasingly doing other things like The Avengers and Remington Steel and The Prisoner, sort of other things of the oeuvre. Um, it is, it is uh, no spoiler to say this, Stuart. It is very good. It's very good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as oh, oh sorry. Before, I, I meant yeah. no time to die. Sorry. Oh, that's... Bondfinger. Well, that... No, the thing about Bondfinger, <laughs> right, is, is it is like FTE un, uh, X-rated. Like, jeez Louise. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, Don't it's let live. your children... It has the explicit tag. Don't let your children listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, as at time of recording, coming back in a few weeks, and probably by the time this is released, already out, uh, Jody into Terror will be back, which is our flashcast um, a couple of days after Jody Whittaker Doctor Who episodes. Um, and I'm also a regular guest on the Blake Seven podcast, Maximum Power. Uh, so you can hear me there. I do have a YouTube channel called Brandy Bongos. It is only updated sporadically when I have the time, but uh, there's that too. Can I just plug that for a second, please? Because I've spent much time <laughs> deliriously enjoying your YouTube channel. And I I think like the say something nice that you do, where you choose you're going back, aren't you? Um you via ratings to what via the worst ratings rated story in terms St- of numbers. Yeah, yeah. So I started with Battlefield Part One, yeah. <laughs> and and you managed to find and of course you can find something nice to say about every single doctor. There's always like anyone who says a doctor yes. is irredeemable is completely wrong. But the yeah. things you find are so unique sometimes, it's glorious. Um <laughs> also, I think you are one of the people online doing a massive service for Jody Whitaker oh, on YouTube. You. And I think that is hugely refreshing. Um hmm. uh, it's called Walt Whitaker, isn't it called? 
Oh yeah, a walk to work with Whitaker are my Whitaker reviews, and they will be back um, when the new series comes on. I mean, the thing is, I I fully acknowledge that there are problems with mm. the Chibnall era, but I just I just kind of try to come from a point of view of I know there are going to be problems, so I'm just going to look for the things I enjoy in it, and it's it's kind of like I think if. There are obviously a lot of fan commentators who decided the second Jodie Whittaker took the hood off her head in the um, in the in the reveal video that they were not going to enjoy this era. And but also there are people who wanted to enjoy this era and find that they're not. But I think the difference between those things is those people who found their stuff that they don't enjoy in this era, they watched it to find that out. Yeah. You a know, friend of mine, get... a friend of mine, messaged me and said it was like a child had died, and I went, "Oh, they're not. We are not friends anymore." I was like, "This is yeah, too no, extreme," it, you know. It, yeah, it's it's it, some people's reactions are very silly. Like, I think you can totally be critical of this era, while mm. while you know being honest and truthful. Um, but you know, then you get people like who feel the need to put on their Twitter bios. Doctor Who R.I.P. 1963 to 2017 and I I made a meme up for that yesterday which is (laughs) sort of Geordie Drake meme you know of of Geordie like from Next Gen with his hand up going hold on now and then the next one pointing and he's going oh (laughs) the woman who fell to earth hold on now the twin dilemma yeah that's Ah! (laughs) (laughs) I happen to quite like the twin dilemma I'll have you know <laughs> it has it has its moments, but it's like you know. Honestly, but do you know what you do? Do you know what you do? Okay, <laughs> as well as being like massively engaging to watch. Um, Thank you. Typically very smart, very funny, uh, with terrific observations, and I'm also terrified that you're going to get run over by a car when I watch those things because you walk. <laughs> I'm you very walk across ro- You walk across roads sometimes. I'm. It's terrifying. I'm very careful. I'm very careful. I I feel like you've got a set route that you know you're going down for this, but oh my word, it's like um, Luke Smith in The End of Time when the doctor grabs you. (laughs) I want to leap in and just save your life. But you do, you absolutely go in looking for positives. Yeah, I don't don't see any point in doing anything else. If if I... In in the same breath, you didn't like, um, there was one you didn't like, you really didn't like. Was it Demons of the Punjab? Um, yeah, well, when I, yeah, uh, the, uh, that, that wasn't one of my walking reviews, but yeah, I sort of looked back on it. I was a bit disappointed by the ending, um, for, you know, I, I think from the, the walk to work with Whitaker's my, my, um, most, most negative reaction, I think would be to Orphan 55. Oh my word. And I just, sorry, Pete. It's funny, isn't it, how his name has become synonymous with Orphan 55. And you know what? Good on him. It's a bit, it's a bit like, it's a bit like me with, um, say, Time of the Rani, you know. Um, His defense, Brendan, was meteoric on this podcast. I'll tell you what. It's it's extraordinary. And I totally get his point. And there's still a lot of fun to be had. Um, But I mean, yeah, Orphan 55 had such a reaction to it. They had to make two walking videos. You know, I'd had some time to think about it and went, right, I've figured out exactly what's wrong and here's what I would do because I'm obviously a professional television writer like Ed Heim. I will say, though, I don't want to diss Ed Heim because It Takes You Away oh, is one of my top Jodie Whittaker episodes. Yeah. 
so good. It's, what it's, he packed in 45 minutes is astonishing. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You yeah. also you managed to break a wall for me as well. I promise you, we'll go to Warriors Gate at some point today, um, <laughs> because I I'm not a massive fan of like um, speculation videos and things like that. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Um, but you put one out, okay, where you made this enormous and I will say entirely erroneous speculation oh, yeah. about Jody Whittaker <laughs> and the end of that season. It was so it was the most fun I've ever had. With one of those. I'm like. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but that absolutely should happen. <laughs> oh, was that my um, Saw Volano Ram Perez call, Osby? But yeah, that was so stupid. Um, I mean, the, the, I look, I don't, I don't mind telling viewers what that is. Basically, um, I tried to, whenever I was saying, what the, what the hell is Ram Perez I thought, like Christopher Hamilton bid me, let's go for an anagram. And it was also almost an anagram with the Italian word, um, Sorvalano, which means um, something from the distance returning or something along those lines. And I said, um, you know, what, what if it's Crasco and, um, you know, he's out there hate-mongering again. And even though it wasn't Crasco, it was a returning villain, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, just not in, the, not in the way I thought. But and, you know what? Um, I think if you're going to do those speculation videos, man, just take it somewhere in the atmosphere like that, yeah. you know? And I will, I will also <laughs> say, I was, I was kind of inspired by other people's speculation videos, but the thing I can't stand with some people's speculation videos is how they're like, and this is obviously fact. This theory uh, I've come up with yeah. is obviously fact. It's like, no, you absolutely have to do it with a tongue in your cheek. And I, um, from what I've sort of seen on YouTube and things, it's it's kind of, it's TV fans who do that. Because I also, I'm a gamer, I look at gaming videos, and gamer speculation is a lot more, hey, let's Louis. come along with this crazy idea. Mm. Um, there's evidence to support this, and we might be wrong, but wouldn't it be fun? Whereas I think a lot of Doctor Who and Star Trek fans, it's kind of like, this is my idea and yeah, it will be true yeah. and you must agree. To be fair, though, there are also <clears throat> many, many podcasts where it's not speculation. They think their opinion is a fact and they say, well, yes. obviously this is terrible. And, you know, and, and there are no other opinion. I'm like, OK. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like, you know, Nathan's kind of got a thing on FTE where someone will make a spirited defense or something. He'll say, well, no, it's just terrible. Yeah. But that's hilarious. But, but, but yeah, and I can tell you, his tongue is firmly planted in his cheek. Yes. Do you know what he says to me? Well, I, I, I'll go at him with mad theories, you know, because I can't bear Amy Pond and I can't bear Matt Smith. Yeah. And I'll go at him and I'll, and I'll do these huge defenses and he just writes, you're wrong. <laughs> that's all I get back. I mean, and, yeah, he, yeah. His his other thing when I sort of do like mad head cannony stuff for how the how unit dating works because Sutek pulled the timeline out of joint, um, and he just says, "You do know none of this really happened." <laughs> you should just say, I, "What are you trying to spoil my fun?" <laughs> but you know, it, it's kind of like that. That's another reason I don't take bad Doctor Who stories too seriously because it's not real no one's died you know it's kind of it's it is unfortunate and we all have cancellation anxiety that if we have a bad season the show may not come back but it's you know I think bad Doctor Who is one of the few shows where the bad stuff 
is sometimes a lot more interesting to talk about than the good stuff. Yes. And yes. more enjoyable. Well, like two of my two of my guilty pleasures are the chase and time of the Rani. And I, you know, I'm not going to say that those are exactly what Doctor Who should have been doing at the time. Um mm. Oh, I freaking love them. Yeah, they 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 provoke discussion of why is this this way? Is this deliberate? Is this what they were going for? Yeah. Um. Why is it still enjoyable despite the fact, you know? Um. Unless you're talking yes, about absolutely. series six, and then you can take out that last question: Why is it still enjoyable? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I tell, tell you what is enjoyable though. Yes. Oh, sorry. I was going to try and swing it around to Warriors Gate somehow, but no. Let's <laughs> do. Let's do. Let's do. I could just talk to you for hours. Let's just yeah. Screw Warriors Gate. Let's just talk. <laughs> no, no, we probably should. People have people have come, but do you know what? We've got plenty of time in episodes three and four to continue this. Yeah. Yes. So, All right. So you count it. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Part two. Here we go. Season eighteen. Man, oh man, what a season. Hmm. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I didn't enjoy it much as a kid, I think because of the darker tone and I don't necessarily mean story tone. I mean, visually, um, <clears throat> but that being said, I was obsessed with the regeneration stories as a kid. So I watched Logopolis a lot mm-hmm. and I loved Logopolis. Um, did you say that is- State of Decay scared you as a yes. child? So Two things. One, you know, it's about vampires and there's lots of darkness and what have you. The other thing was um, we lived at the bottom of a hill, so our television reception um, wasn't always great. And it actually seemed to fluctuate according to the seasons. Um, And so our copy of State of Decay was quite grainy. And so that made it even scarier. Like watching some old Hammer Horror knockoff, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, it's got so bats flying down. It's got scary vampires. It's got, mm. yeah, no, I can see why. Yeah, I mean, this probably would have scared me as a kid as well. Do you think like the scares in this are because it's all very unknowable and very strange? Like it's it, it's hard to get a grip. I, I mean, as an adult, it's hard to get a grip of what's going on. So as a child. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's absolutely that. Um, <clears throat> it, it, yeah, the the scares in this are all very visual. I think, um, you know, you've got the cobwebs. You have long periods of characters sort of wandering through voids or rooms and not saying anything. Um, you know, th- the influences for this uh, were a lot of um, silent cinema, uh, uh, Cocteau's. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, for instance, and that was the um, influence for the design of the Farrell. And there is very much a silent cinema quality to this. I mean, there, there's still a lot of dialogue, but you do get scenes, long scenes, without anyone saying anything, and it's just allowing the visuals to tell the story. In um, Doctor Who terms, yep. the thing that uh, uh, this reminds me of the most is the mind robber. Um, mm-hmm. Just strange, strange visuals <clears throat> that you can't really get your head around. There's a white void, and there's scary stuff coming out of it. And I don't know. It's it's just like the. I mean, I think the mind robber explains itself clearer as it's going along. It's it's more child friendly, um, mm-hmm. but it's that kind of like dark fantasy. Yes. 
the show doesn't lean into it too often, but I really no, like it no. when it does. Yeah, and I think I think the reason it doesn't lean into it too often is, as you say, that thing about explaining. You have to explain everything in this kind of world, um, and it would make the series as a whole too um, too sort of top heavy. You know, um, it's it's the Russell T Davies thing of you know I'm setting all my stories on and around Earth, and it, they must involve humans as a way for the audience to get interested. Yeah, yeah. What, what I mean, where's me, our where's our in here? Where's where's your Rusty Davis in? You've got no human characters. Um, I think I think the slavers are the ones who <clears throat> fulfill that because they do have very recognizable human power dynamics. Yeah, I work with this bunch. I'm telling you, I absolutely well, work with these people. They go around electrocuting fun- people and bumbling around. <laughs> and... It's funny you should say that because, um. Gallagher's sort of early writing um, career for um, for television and radio um, is where he at Granada is where he sort of based the this crew on, and you know lots of lots of sort of meetings and getting nowhere and power struggles and what have you, and. Aldo and Royce. Oh, I I love that. <laughs> don't even tell me in your work you don't have an Aldo and Royce because I absolutely oh, yeah. do. Ab- absolutely, I love there. By the way, where um, Roma- Romana says with a lot of hair and looks at um, Kenneth Cope's head. That was um, that was Lala's suggestion in rehearsals, and she said, "Look, Kenneth, do you mind if I?" Yeah, he's like, "No, no, that's really funny." Um, she's yeah, she's Al- literally. She's the doctor here, isn't she? She's absolutely yes. being the doctor. Yeah. Well, this was some, um, you know, Bidmead and JNT wa- wanted to have a more vulnerable crew. And yeah, let's um, talk J- about this. All right. Let's yeah. talk about the transition from uh, Leisure High yeah. to Legopolis. Yeah. <clears throat> well, JNT took Lala out to lunch at the beginning of the season and outlined that. He said, look, you know, the three of you together, the Dr. Romana and K-9, you're really powerful, kind of robs the drama. And, and he says, we would like to write Romana out. Look, you know, I'm very sorry. And she actually said, well, no, actually, I, I thought I would leave sometime this year. I've do- been doing it for a year and a half, but I didn't, you know, you're a new producer and I didn't want to impose that on you. So her, her leaving at least was entirely mutual um john leeson had only agreed to come back after taking season 17 away if he he were if he exactly exactly um and so knowing that far in advance that lala was only going to be in 20 of the 28 episodes they were able to build up to it and it was explicitly the intention that she had been serving her traineeship aboard the tardis and would become the doctor and that is why she walks out like the doctor she says to adric you know don't wander off don't follow me um but also she's smarter than the doctor in that she gives adric a signal for if everything goes wrong do this and just that exit of like you know we're gonna build our own tardis we're gonna help these people like you know she's you think of mary tam at the beginning she didn't want to be there did she 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 no she was like this i'm all a bit better than this i'm gonna look down my nose at you throughout reboss operation she's come a long way but she was already the doctor because i did a horns of nymon commentary oh yes a couple of weeks ago and while he's arsing around playing cricket balls and all this 
she is absolutely being the, 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 the confrontation with Soldied at the end. She gets that moment. It isn't Tom Baker. Yeah, yeah. And really, in almost every story of this series so far, she's given a doctor moment. You know, in the Leisure Hive, she's the one working with Harden on the experiment. Yeah. In Megloss, you've got that thing about, you know, side reel rotation. And oh, that's yes. uh, oh, leading that's them around sublime, the forest. Isn't it? It's complete padding, but it's brilliant. Rotation, um, revolving, revolving. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, for, for a full circle, she's repairing the TARDIS. Um, state, state of decay, you know, when, when she's sort of taken prisoner, she's the one who's like, okay, now we explore and now we find out... And, and what's oh, happening? When, when she's got the answers, and she's like, "I once worked in the Bureau of Ancient Records for a time." <laughs> yeah, she just she just so spells good. out the whole thing. You know, I'm like, she's so good. Do you think it was a smart move, though, to, yes. to take to take them out and to bring in Adric Tegan Nissa? Um, you know what I I do because you do then get fallibility to the characters. Um, well, yeah, they murder um, him off, um, don't they? They kill him off. Um, yeah, I'm just going to mention um, when Tom is wandering around there and stumbling and talking to the Gundan robots, a lot of that was ad-libbed by Tom on the day. Okay. Par- partly as a result of the chaos in the studio. Um, but, in yeah, in terms of moving on the characters, you know, John, John Nathan Turner wanted characters who would grow and evolve and change. And arguably, I don't think they got it right until Ace. No, but you, yeah, I agree. But, yeah, but you do see growth in um, Tegan and Nyssa, less so in Adric. And I, I don't think that's the fault of um, Matthew Waterhouse at all. I think most Doctor Who writers at this time just have a problem writing for the male companion. Yeah. They, yeah. well, they, and they try. Like, they try and make them interesting by making yeah. him him the artful dodger, Turlo the murderer in the TARDIS, rather than just making them an interesting character. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like you know, after State of Decay, that artful dodger thing falls a bit by the wayside. Yeah. But um, when season nineteen comes along, they seem to figure out the way to make Adric an interesting character is to pair him up with another male character who's not the Doctor. With the who villains. can then draw... And very often with the villains, yeah. who can then draw a direct comparison. So Monarch, um, Richard Mace. Hindle. Hindle, yeah. And the thing is, with Hindle, you're not... you <clears throat> With Monarch, you kind of doubt Adric's oh, loyalties. With God. Hindle, you know that Adric is trying to con him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a you massive... And, in, with Monarch, it just comes across as incredibly yeah. naive and a bit imperialist yes. and a bit scary, actually. Adric comes across in that one, but... In, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, yeah, that's that's how you make <clears throat> Adric. That's how you the make Adric interesting. Is, and, and, is Lala Ward and Tom Baker and John Leeson have incredible charisma and presence, yeah? Yes. Now, I'm going to make a bold suggestion and say that Janet Fielding and Matthew Waterhouse and Sarah Sutton, and to an extent, Peter Davison do not and so i don't no, know that's if, that's a, if that's a, a shift in the right direction now i know it was ratings wise because they they shot up in season 19 yes yeah i mean we're up against buck rogers here um uh, for season 18 and that's part of the reason for the lower ratings um yeah but yeah the the lack of chemistry is a problem and it's yeah it's worth remembering that of course lola ward 
was a guest actor as Princess Astra, and it was actually Tom Baker and Mary Tam who recommended her for Romana, knowing that she already worked well with the team. Mm. And Mary Tam screen tested with Tom Baker to make sure she worked well with Tom Baker. Um, whereas, you know, Tom Baker was not consulted on the casting of Matthew Waterhouse. Um, Janet Fielding, Sarah Sutton, Peter Davison never screen tested with each other for obvious reasons. And yeah, you do, you run into, you run into that kind of problem there, you know? Um, that being said, I think Davison, Sarah Sutton and um, Janet Fielding end up developing a chemistry. They find their way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And again, that's not, a, that's not a slight on Matthew Waterhouse. I think the writers don't really give Adric a chance to bond with anyone. It's I, like, I also think um, it's funny, you've got directors in season 16 and 17 that just know how to work with these actors and to bring something fun out of them. Would you yeah. start, start going to season 19 and you've got a piece of Moffat and, and I, they're not helped by awkward blocking and they just yeah. seem very awkward together, you know? It's yes. un, unnaturalistic, yes. very theatrical, you know? Yes, yeah. Um, now this part here with Romana becoming the navigator... In um, in the original storyline, oh dear, that's unpleasant. In the original storyline, um, it was a lot more overt. Lane actually releases Birok from the ship in the original storyline, knowing that they are at the center of the timelines and Tardises. They know the slavers in the original thing know about Time Lords. They know wow. that Tardises pass through the gateway. Ergo, if we let him go and run off eventually he will run into a TARDIS. And because no time passes here, it won't matter to us how long he takes. And oh, he, he will bring us a Time Lord because they're, they're actually like, um, you know, Birok has, Birok has stranded them here because he's unreliable. So let's get someone a bit better. And I think it was Christopher Bidmade who pointed out that's, you know, it's probably better to have it as a coincidence. Yeah, I don't know. I than, think that's really clever. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was sort of a it was sort of a lot more direct in that way. Can I just say I absolutely adore your encyclopedic knowledge of, of pre <laughs> previous drafts of story. You've done this on several <laughs> FTEs and every single time you you tell of a better story than the one we got. Well, maybe not in this case, but it's an intriguing alternative, that. Yeah. Well, look, you know, I'm I'm an amateur writer myself, so I'm very I'm interested in the craft of writing. Um, and especially, you know. With Big Finish recently have announced that for their Lost Stories range, uh, they've released one already, for their, for their Lost Stories range, they're not just doing Lost Stories, they are doing earlier versions of um, oh, Season 12. Oh, like Revenge of the Cybermen. And... Yeah, yeah, so they've done yeah, Return yeah, of yeah. the Cybermen, they're doing um, John Lucarotti's version of the Ark in Space. Yeah. And they're doing um, the original Terry Nation outline for Genesis of the Daleks. I'm so in two minds. And I know what you're going to say that, that it's worth listening because you're getting, you're going to get that very intriguing realization of what that story could have been. A mm. bit like the Unbound series, you know, like what if. Yeah. 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 On the other hand, I think Big Finish will literally make anything now. Like they, they, they'll just grab anything that is in the yeah. cupboard and make it. You know? Yes. Yes. 
and yeah, I even I can't, I, I, do, I do kind of look at that and go, oh, you know, in, in a way, I, I think it would be a far riper thing for, like, say, get James Goss to novelize it. Mm. You know what I mean? But at, at, the, at the same time, uh, I'll, I'll get it when it goes on sale. That's uh, fine. I, I am I intrigued think, by that John Lucarati one, though, because that's yes. I, I have a feeling that's very different from the Ark in Space. It, it is massively different. It is massively different. His original outline. Um, and well, but also the weird thing is like Genesis of Terror was rejected because it was too samey to like all the Pertwee Dalek yeah. stories. So, so is that going to be any good? Are they making that one? Are they making the original Genesis? Yeah. No, they're not. Oh, that's I'm what. Yeah. I have yeah. to listen to that one. Because <laughs> you know what? Um, I have a secret love for both Planet of the Daleks and Death of the Daleks. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. <clears throat> it's, and it's never really explained in this story either why Adric's not wearing his belt, you know, like his most important possession that his brother gave to him. Well, that was given to him after his brother died. And he's just not wearing it here. Um, Those pajamas this... must have been ripe, you know. I'm telling you, now. he never <laughs> oh, takes yeah. them off. This scene here, uh, and there's a quite a few scenes of this nature in this story, and I like this. It's very Robert Shearman. It's both absurdly comic and absolutely terrifying at the same time yes yeah yeah yeah. because they are they just don't care um but also they don't want to be the ones to do it they're this they're like they're squeamish about it but um and that's very funny but also how it's executed with him going up like ah it's kind of funny how it's done and then he comes out and his face is all burnt and that's horrific yes 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 and it, that's that's um, almost like I I always say like um, the master craftsman or the master show of like balancing tones like that comedy and horror is something like Buffy, but yes. this is doing that exceedingly well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and also just it does it just within the realms of taste. Yes. Yeah. 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 You know. Um, well, I don't know. Like later I don't... on, do you remember when he gets electrocuted later on? And there's that whopping great close-up <laughs> on his face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Face that launched a thousand ships. Um, <laughs> Very small ships. It, it's kind of like um, you you don't see any blood in this story, for instance. Mm. You know, uh, a lot of the more extreme violence is implied rather than shown. Uh, which I think is absolutely the right choice for Doctor Who. I remember when um, the new series came back and uh, Russell was criticised because there, there are very few on-screen deaths. Obviously, what, in series da- one? Obviously, like Dalek, yeah, and but very few on-screen human deaths. Oh, because he cuts away, doesn't he? Remember in Rome, he cuts away when Clive yeah, yeah. the the guns in his face, and then we cut away. Yeah, yeah. I should say, uh, I should say, sorry, just just for Rose, not for the whole series. But it's even things like, um, you know, in the Unquiet Dead, when Mister Redpath is killed by his by his grandmother, oh, his, his neck snapped, isn't it? But that's off yeah. screen as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, it's sort of like she just grabs his shirt a little, and then he and then he falls down. And um, Don't you think that's more terrifying though? I, the, the the implication yeah. is enough, I think. Yes. Yeah. Well, that that's what Russell said. He said, "Look, you know, we're making this for eight to ten year olds, and the implication is enough for them." Yeah. 
it, you know, it's enough for them to be scared without being traumatized, basically. And he said, he kind of said, we are going to be pushing it later in the series. And, you know, you do have Cassandra exploding and you have oh, the hilarious. gas mask, the gas mask growing oh, out of the terrifying. face. And, yeah. But yeah. Those, are, those but, are very, very kind of fantasy deaths, yeah. aren't they? Yes, exactly. Whereas, you know, um, later in in Doctor Who here we would have you know people's hands being crushed and it, it just went yeah. it just went a bit far. Almost like you know very it's that video nasty period and a very visceral, very in yeah. your face. Um yeah. I find like you know you said about implication, uh, the implication of death. <clears throat> yep. The most terrifying massacre in New Who for me is in the sound of drums when the toclophane and you don't obviously you don't really see it you see a couple of people yeah. being blasted but you just see them raining down yes and the rest is in my head and it's horrific yeah absolutely absolutely and and that, and that's that's all you need sometimes and we're going to get that um in this story later as well that kind of implied massacre you know the bit where where the gundans come in and the axe goes down on that's absolutely implying that isn't it that there's, yes. there was a massacre there yeah well here at the banquet table there is a, a desiccated skeleton sitting in oh, one chair he's so cute brendan honestly he's like <laughs> he reminds me of the keeper of Traken. <laughs> oh my god I how funny this. is that we're just grabbing the head yeah. going, tell me tell me yeah <laughs> and 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 Tom also also resists the urge to make stop that Gundan a comedy line. Yeah, because it could easily be a comedy line. Now these um, POV shots. Oh my! These words. POV shots. These POV shots cause problems, not just for the lighting, but because uh, not specifically for this POV shot, but the POV shot earlier on. Um, uh, Paul Joyce, the director, insisted that POV shots be shot first in the traditional way, multi-camera, and then again with the POV, which obviously you can't have an actor, well, not even an actor, but a technician carrying around the camera in a shot. Um, so, you, you know, that doubled the time. You see how big those cameras are. I mean, look, no wonder yeah, he's wobbling yeah. about all over the place. They're bloody massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but visually, this is a very striking cliffhanger. Yes. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And it's the um, thing they do in, in like a part one in like, I don't know, like the Gothic period where um, it builds up to that cliffhanger moment of like the monster reveal. But there isn't a monster reveal. It's all just through the monster's eyes coming right yes. at her. We don't, we don't even know at this point whether he's a monster. Or, we, don't really, we know it's a Tharrell, don't we? But Yeah, yeah. But yeah, also he's just been... Burned. He's just been quite hideously burned and tortured. And he's pissed. Um, he is pissed yeah. and he, he's going to take it out on the crew, or you think Romana. Yeah. I mean, you know, Romana is a companion who doesn't scream much. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, the justification here and the terror doesn't come from the fact that there's a monster coming towards her so much as she is restrained yeah. and trapped and there's nothing she can do about it because you know romana's been cornered by daleks and didn't scream that's very true but, but you know she wasn't totally restrained Brandon, in that the, moment the suspense that is built up in this sequence yeah. is extraordinarily good and you know what uh, how have we it's been very remiss of us not to mention the score to oh, this point yes. but the score there just builds and builds and builds to that climax is it mm, Pete, Peter mm. Howell, this one? 
Uh, I believe so. We will find out in a moment because we're watching it, the credits. It's certainly not Paddy. It's not Paddy. Paddy's no, I think, not, uh, <laughs> I, 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 you, I think it is. I think it is You can point at Peter House because he did Kinder as well, and that's got a terrifying score too. Yep, yep, yep. Um, uh, do you know what it feels like? It feels like there's been a tone meeting. And I think there probably was a form of tone meeting for this because yes. Paul Joyce absolutely said that he was involved in the model work. He was involved in every area of this production. Yes. There's a uniformity to the production, isn't there? That this yes. is this is what we're aiming for. This is what I want. Yeah. And um, I, I will talk about this more tomorrow because he, that, that was true to an extent. Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow I'll throw a shrimp. Uh, uh, I'll throw a, um, a shrimp on the barbie. Oh, um, in fact, look, there's a name I want to talk about tomorrow as well, Barry Letts. Yes, yeah, well, but yeah, but um, it, it's funny, you know. A lot of people think by this point of the season, Barry Letts wasn't doing much, but he did actually have a big hand in this script. 